it is well with our soul this morning, Lord. We can declare that it is well with our soul because you are the one that saved it. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now that for every person in this room and those that are watching online, that your Holy Spirit, Father God, would breathe peace into their life. Jesus, you declared that it, you give us your peace, not as the world gives, but Lord, your peace. Peace when everything around us may be falling apart, that we can hold on to faith, knowing that God, you are working in us and through us and all around us. Your word declares that the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that while people may be astray and, and doing things that may not honor you at times, it doesn't change the fact that the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. And God, it's when we worship you, when we do what we were created to do and we invite your presence to come, that it changes and it transforms, Lord God. Not only our lives, but Lord, all that we may impact as we go about our day, as we go about our week. That Lord, we are carriers of such a great treasure. Your word says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We as those earthen vessels, God, that your presence resides in, that, Father, we're meant to go and the atmosphere around us should change. The world around us, Lord God, should change by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, God, you so loved that you gave your Son. You're not... sound system said amen <laughs> God you're not willing that any perish but that all come to everlasting life so father I pray for your people right now I pray for myself right now that the people that are around us that may not know Jesus that that treasure that resides on the inside of us through faith Christ dwelling on the inside of us would come through us as we speak to them. That, Father, we wouldn't speak words of judgment, but, Lord, we'd speak words of truth in love. That, God, we wouldn't have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. That that power is not us, but it's a power from you that resides in us that's meant to be shared with others. So, Father, each and every day of our life, I pray that we fill our cup, or that you better yet, would fill our cup and that it would run over into the lives of those around us, that for husbands, they would take the time and devotion to seek after you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength that God, your presence would run over into the lives of their wives and their children as a result of filling up in you I pray for wives that as they seek you that they would fill their cup and it would run over in their husbands' lives and their children's lives. I pray God in friendship and where we work and where we go to school that Lord we would come before you and we seek you and Lord God our cup would be filled to overflowing so that people around us can taste and see that the Lord is good. God, I can't think that I know everything that's going to happen in my life or anyone else's life in this room, but I certainly do know this. Lord, you do. And God, your word declares that you work all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So Father, I pray this first, that our love for you would be ever increasing in our life. 
that God, our understanding of our calling in you would be ever growing in our life. So that, Father, you can work your goodwill and your good pleasure in our life and the life of those, Lord God, that we love and those that we become acquainted with. That, Lord God, your love would spill out of us into their life through the calling that you have placed on our life to go into all the world. So, Lord, I bless your people. I pray your presence. Lord God, I pray your presence would go with them. Everywhere they go in life, all that they do, your presence, Lord God, would go before them and would come behind them as the rear guard that they would be hungry and thirsty God for you and that Lord you would fill them up this world does not need more religion it does not need more conformity it needs the living presence of God inside his people going all all about the land Lord God all over the place carrying your presence wherever they go may your love overshadow us as we prepare our hearts to hear your word this morning I pray God that you would anoint Rob Bray as he comes to this platform that as he speaks he would speak as the oracles of God would come out of his mouth and would hit the mark inside of every one of our hearts that your word would renew our minds so the Father we follow you and that we look to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith and we pray these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ and everybody in the house of the Lord this morning said amen amen, amen. you may be seated uh, I want to introduce you to Pastor Rob Bray, his beautiful wife Bethany. Um, they, uh, I'll let you share about your family. It's quite, quite an interesting story. Uh, Rob and Bethany were with us. What year was that? You were with us for a season as youth pastors. 10 and 11. Uh, 2010 and 11, Pastor Rob and, and Bethany were with us here and served on our staff, uh, was youth pastor, and Bethany served in children's ministry and I think you even in the daycare some uh, along that way. Um, and what a journey it's been. Uh, they planted a church in Nebraska uh, a number of years ago. Uh, we worked together with them on that. And then they moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, where uh, Rob uh, began to work with a, a business called Mighty Hand Construction. Uh, the, him and the owner, their partners, and uh, they built that into a multi million dollar business and uh, out of that their heart for it was that uh, they could do ministry and so they planted a church in Fort Collins uh, during COVID yes. during COVID I mean you you gotta you just gotta have all kinds of, of courage to plant a church in the middle of COVID um, and he may share a little bit about that but uh, I'll just say that that in the midst of it they decided to do a um, an outside event to come let us worship where Churches weren't able to gather together. Fine, we're going to do worship. It was come let us worship, I think, or let us worship. Um, and uh, they did that event. And how many people did you baptize at that? 100 baptisms. 3,000 people and 100 baptisms or over 100 baptisms that day. We need, we need more of, of those kinds of things for sure. Um, but more than anything, we need churches that walk and what, what you uh, titled your church, the name of your church, uh, Spirit and Truth Church. And would you come today and speak to us in spirit and in truth? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Love you, buddy. So good. Well, what an honor it is to be here. This feels like home for me. It is home, and I'm just so honored to be here. I want to honor Pastor Derek and Angie and just their voice in our life, spiritual moms and dads, and their sacrifice for this church and for Largo and for all that they do for Open Bible. Uh, it is not for the faint of heart doing ministry, especially also 
counseling and assessing and coaching and consulting other ministries and standing for young couples like Bethany and I in our ministry. Uh, they do a lot behind the scenes that you probably aren't even aware of, so continue to support them and pray for them and honor them, uh, and, and it will not only bless them and this church, it'll bless you and your family, uh, as the Lord says, to honor those that are in spiritual leadership. But guys, I'm just really thrilled to be here. I mean, I'm sitting there with Bethany just having flashbacks of when we were youth pastors, and if it wasn't for this church and this ministry, we would not have reached any of the things in our life that you're about to see that we've been a part of, the businesses, the ministries, the, and most importantly, the family that we have. Uh, we wouldn't have reached our calling, and I, I sincerely mean that. This is where I was commissioned in ministry. Uh, Pastor Derek saw something in me and on me, and he answered that call to mentor me and to pastor me. And uh, it really is just so sweet to be here. Even that song uh, that the worship team just played uh, meant a lot to me. Because the sermon today, which is a, a spirit-led message, I asked earlier this week, Lord, what are you speaking to reach church? What do you want me to share on? And I, and I heard pretty convincingly from the spirit, hope through suffering hope through suffering. And it was that song, It Is Well, that got Bethany and I through some incredible suffering. When there, were, there was a season where we lost our income and our home, we had a miscarriage. Uh, we, we lost vision for the future. It was like, where are we going? We were just pretty distraught. Some of it self-sabotage and immaturity. Some of it genuine relational breakdown and betrayal. And, and some of it just pain and confusion and demonic attack. And then obviously, like I said, the loss of life in the womb, uh, which many of you in this room have probably experienced, which is tragic. And that song, it is well, I remember my wife singing it over and over, and it gave us hope through suffering. And we didn't plan that out with the worship team, but I just was brought back of like, wait a second, God brought us from there to, to now, where we're standing here with the Reach family again, and we're... Uh, our family's been restored, and we've, at that time, we had three kids and a miscarriage. Now we have going on six kids. Can you believe it? It's crazy. Um, it's incredible. We, we just found out number six is coming, like, a few days ago. Um, so God, is, God has really brought some restoration, and I, that's my goal today is that you would just have hope through your suffering, to not go around the suffering, to not avoid the suffering, to go through the suffering but know that there's hope in it, and there's hope on the other side of it. And what is hope? Hope is a future worth having. And I'm telling you, there's a future worth having if you can hang on. Uh, and so that, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and I just want to take a minute, too, just to say that reach, that there's something so special about this church, and, and even the name. Um, I was thinking about it as we were worshiping just now, how Pastor Derek's been an agent in my life of breaking complacency and of challenging me for more and helping me to see that you can't grow stagnant in your faith, right? If the water comes in and doesn't go out, you're a swamp. If it goes in and out, you're a river. And so to constantly, like he was saying today, to go, to reach out. And, and when we reach up for God in our relationship for him, we, we find that devotion and that intimacy. We reach in for community to each other. We find that connection and that fellowship. We reach out to the world and we release hope and we actually see souls transform and we fulfill the Great Commission. I mean, you, you can't be complacent and apathetic and also reach for something. And I just thank you, Pastor and, and Angie, for inspiring me to reach. I remember when I first told him, hey, we started this church in the, in the pandemic, in my living room, and it's growing, and God's moving. They're like, well, we're going to actually help relaunch a church in Largo. And I was like, okay, we're both reaching. We're both reaching. Um, but it's this idea of, like, don't settle. Don't settle. I wonder how many of you lack the hope through your suffering because you've, you've settled, and you're, and you're not reaching anymore. Reach for the hem of his garment, and you can have a touch from God that can break through and bring hope. So, um, I just wanted to mention that this, this is a picture of my family here. Um, I just want to kind of show you where God's taken us and what he's done. Uh, so this was Easter Sunday. That's our crew. That was last Sunday. 
um, right there outside of our rented uh, church space we rent from the Colorado House of Prayer uh, out in Old Town, Fort Collins. And um, that's our whole crew, Nehemiah, my oldest, obviously my beautiful wife, Bethany, who I've mentioned. Um, and then we've got Noel uh, over there on the, uh, I guess it'd be your left-hand side, who's six. So Nehemiah's 10, Noel's six, Nora there right next to Bethany's eight. We have little Nayla in her arms who's with us today, and she's seven months old. And then Neely down in the bottom there who's three years old. And then we have a new one on the way. And we're hoping for the bookend boy. We'll see. We'll see, because Nehemiah and I are pretty outnumbered right now. Um, and then uh, that's a picture of our homestead. That's where we live in Fort Collins, Colorado. And just to brag on God, we never thought we'd have a, a, split, a space and a place like that. And it's total God story. I could tell you guys another time, but uh, just so you can get a feel of, of where we're at. It's kind of cool. We're tucked into a hill, and we get to see all of Fort Collins. And when I drove up here, I thought, oh, this is interesting. I could see all of Colorado Springs. And so it just there's like a kindred spirit in looking over our cities and, and watching the watchmen on the wall, praying for our cities. And that's our Spirit and Truth family right there at the House of Prayer, uh, Easter Sunday, worshiping the Lord and um, just, you know, seeking after Him in spirit, following Him uh, in the inmost being, connecting with Him and honoring the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, but also in truth that we want to uphold the Scriptures, that we want to actually live what's ultimate reality, that we want to say hard things that our culture might find unpopular, but we'll set them free if they will actually believe them. And so we want to be a church of spirit and truth. And, and then I wanted to show you our business. So uh, this is a picture of Mighty Hand uh, Construction here with, um, when we go to the next, there we go. Um, my best friend Micah and I built this company, started in uh, 2017, uh, really started taking off in 2018, and now we have 32 employees. It's just been an amazing journey, remodeling, starting with small tile and flooring jobs, and now we build custom homes and do commercial buildings like this one. Uh, so it's really just an incredible, incredible journey. God has taught me so much about life and relationships and policies and procedures and business and taxes and lawyers, and it's it's been really fun, uh, but it's enhanced our, our ministry. And then you can see Micah and I there on uh, the Pain to Profits podcast. And that's really been what our business has been, Pain to Profits. Um, still hoping for more of the profit side and less of the pain side. Um, but uh, you can check that out on, on YouTube and look us up. And, and then this is the most recent evolution of what I do. I now am out of the day-to-day -day at Mighty Hand. And so I run the church part-time. And when I'm not doing that, I do business consulting and coaching and life coaching and breakthrough. I don't even like calling it life. It's really transformational coaching. It's a boot camp for the soul. Uh, and I do that one-on-one -on -one with an eight-week program on Zoom with individuals. I've also worked with couples and marriages. And then I work uh, in these, I guess you could call them business cohort groups or workshops. Um, and so this is actually me taking Mighty Hand through the five dysfunctions of a team, Patrick Lencioni. Uh, just an incredible time, rooting out dysfunction, getting to the bottom of things, building trust on our team, handling conflict well, so that we can see results. Um, and so, man, uh, so much of what we complain about is, can, you know, it can be transformed if we're willing to tackle it head on um, and stop tolerating it, and we make the shift instead of pointing the finger at others. So that's kind of what I do now with my company, Higher Purpose. So um, hope through suffering today is what the Spirit wanted me to share with you guys. It's not what I would have expected. We're, we're in a series in our church called Shadows, and we're going through the Old Testament, looking at how all the Old Testament heroes point to Jesus Christ. And I thought maybe I would bring one of those messages, and clearly the Holy Spirit said, no, hope through suffering. And, you know, we all have tr trying times. We all have times of suffering. Uh, but I think that the Holy Spirit knew that right now, in real time, some of you are going through some real hardship. Uh, and if you're not, you can surround those that are and pray for those that are. And you can remember this for the next round of when you go through some suffering. Um, but I just wanted to start actually reading the story of that song we just sang, It Is Well. And I know that was a modern rendition, but they did that throwback tag of the actual original, It Is Well. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. My kind of guy. 
However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871. And in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Hard enough to build a business, tragic to lose one. Yet God in his mercy and kindness allowed the business to regrow and flourish once again. On November 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner, Villa du Harve, I don't even know how to pronounce it, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve the unexpected business setback. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe in a few days. His plan would take another turn. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, their ship collided with the powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Lockern. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt with her daughters and prayed to God that he would spare them and that they'd have the strength to endure what awaited them. After sinking beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, and it carried away with it 226 passengers, a sailor rowing a small boat spot the ship going down, and he spotted a woman floating amidst the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her onto his small boat, and then they were picked up by a larger vessel nine days later and landed at Cardiff, Wales. She wired her husband, Saved, alone, what should I do? Mr. Spafford telegrammed back, trust in the Lord, be there soon. Another ship survivor recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters and now they've been taken. Someday I might understand why. Mr. Spafford booked the next available shift and ship to his wife, And while grieving on the journey to see his wife, he wrote the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Eventually they recovered and Anna gave birth to three more children In August of 1881, they moved to Jerusalem where Mr. Spafford has died and buried to this day. Their life and testimony is an example of how to hold on to hope through suffering. I just want to talk about the background of the Latin word suffering. It actually comes from the word sufere, sufere, to bear or endure. It can be broken down into two different words, if you do the etymology, sub, which means to come under, and fere, which means to bear a burden. So the literal meaning of the actual history of the word to suffer means to come underneath something and to carry it. I brought a nail that represents what our Savior did on the cross. We just celebrated Good Friday and Easter and we remembered the suffering of Jesus. And today, as we're talking about hope through suffering and your individual suffering, the suffering of the church family throughout the ages, I want you to first and foremost remember what the word suffer even means. To come up underneath and to bear. It actually has its roots in the crucifixion. Did you know the word passion actually comes from the same Latin root, to suffer? That's why we call it the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ means the suffering of Christ. If we did not have Christ's example, we actually wouldn't even have these modern English words. We'd have words like pain, trouble, but we wouldn't have words like suffer and passion. That's how intense our, what our Savior went through on your behalf. It, it actually has shaped language. So I want to pass this around, and I, I want you just to humor me as we're talking about suffering, 
And I want you just to think about this piercing your wrist or your hand. And this is just a, a replica. It's probably not even exact. I mean, they, they might have had thicker uh, railroad-type stakes, but it just, it's just an idea. And I want you to hold it in your hand and just think, my suffering hurts, but Jesus suffered for me. Like, I don't want to minimize your suffering. Like, my suffering's real, but Jesus' suffering was worse. I just want you to hold it and just think about that and then pass it to your neighbor. Okay, can we do that while I'm preaching? Just think it'd be kind of a cool thing to do. So we're going to pass this around. Jesus suffered for you. John 19, 17, he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Look at Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. You want hope through suffering? You need to learn what suffering is. Suffering is a Savior who carried your suffering for you. Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Christ even came that there would be one who would bear your sufferings for you. Yes, you will still have trouble, but take heart. He has overcome the world. You will have temporary suffering, but he did the heavy lifting. He took the suffering you could never bear. His example is literally manifesting what suffering really is, to come up underneath and to bear. He came up underneath your sin, and he took it square on. Everything pointed at your life to decimate you. He took it, and he carried it all the way. And people ask, why? Why suffering? And, and this sermon isn't about why, but I wanted to at least devote a moment to it because it, it can be very difficult when we wrestle with God on why we go through suffering And different philosophers and different Bible scholars have addressed this in different ways, but there's basically three main reasons that Christians throughout the ages have come up with to try to wrap our mind around why suffering. The first is that suffering is a consequence of sin, that Adam and Eve chose against God. And when they did that, they brought evil and pain and suffering into this world. That the first real suffering was that they had to be separated from God's promise in the garden. And the first suffering actually wasn't even against them or towards them, it was that poor lamb that had to be sacrificed in the garden to clothe them, which was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. The first suffering was actually a sacrifice, a substitute. Can you believe that? God says, if you sin against me, you're surely going to die. And they sin against him, and the lamb dies. Welcome to the gospel. It's called God's grace, which gives you hope through suffering that the first creature to suffer in all creation was a substitute on your behalf, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the world. Second reason that we suffer, or again, this is what Christians have our, our best attempt at explaining it, and I think they're, they're sound, and these are good reasons, but we're going to get into a, a better question other than why in a second, and that's what now. But the second reason is suffering can be a test of faith. We see this in the book of Job. In fact, the book of Job was the first book that young Jewish children would memorize. In, in many Jewish Bibles, it's the first book of the Bible. Some believe it was written even before Moses wrote the first five books of the Pentateuch. Regardless, it is still considered wisdom literature, which is why we don't put it at the beginning of most of our English Bibles we put it closer to Psalms and Proverbs because we consider it to be wisdom literature. But the story is a story of a man who suffered seemingly unjustly and who trusted God anyway, and God restored all things. And we know what happened in the courts of heaven. Job didn't. And what happened in the courts of heaven was a test of this man's faith. The book of Job has brought solace and comfort to so many suffering people over generations, encourage you to read it and study it as they wrestle for chapter after chapter after chapter, Job and his best friends on suffering. Three, suffering can be a way of identifying with Christ. We know this to be true, that the apostles suffered because they were aligning themselves with how Christ suffered, that 
God isn't calling us to do anything he wasn't unwilling to do himself, that he paved the way for us, and that we're actually disciples, followers of Jesus. What does that mean, to be a follower of Jesus? Well, he was called the son of sorrows, the man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering. Did you know that's what you were signing up for when you committed to following him? Now, yes, when you follow him, you're empowered, and you can be comforted, and you can be uplifted, and you get eternal life. We're going to talk about all those things. Those are the reasons we have hope through the suffering. But did you know in this life, in this temporary life, that part of signing up to follow Jesus was signing up for suffering, whether it's persecution or hardship or death itself or cancer or any of the other evils that have been brought into this world? And so this is just kind of a... a, a quick summary of when you're wrestling with that why question, you've got to remember number one, like the first murder, the first evil was brought into the world by Cain. It wasn't brought in by God. And when no matter what you're going through, how can you show that you have faith in God through it? And at the end of the day, Jesus did it first, so you're just really following him. But there's a better question than why, and this is the coach in me. What now? You can sit around all day and say, why? Why am I going through this? Why did my dad leave when I was five? Why did he commit adultery? Why did we lose our baby in that miscarriage? Why did I not learn the lessons I learned now sooner in life so I wouldn't have to have lost my first church and now I planted a second one? Why? Why? But there's a better question, and it's what now? How are you going to take responsibility for your pain in your life right now? And when people hear that word responsibility, they think I mean blame but I don't. When, I, when you come and tell me your victim story, this is what happened to me, and it's real tragedy, and it's real sorrow, and I'm going to tell you how you can have hope through that and how you can heal through that, but when you come to me with that victim mindset and I turn it around and say, when will you take responsibility for that? I'm not talking about you taking blame for your parents' sin or the people that, that victimized you or the struggle that you went through. What I'm saying is, are you willing to be a first responder? Think about a fireman or an EMT they take responsibility. When they show up to an accident, they don't care whose fault it is. We'll figure that out in the court of law later and through all the witnesses. They're just there to help. They're going to resuscitate people. They're going to get them on gurneys. They're going to get them to the hospital. What if the church was first responders in people's life? What if you took responsibility for your life, your income, your budget, your family? Something's broken. Something's dysfunctional. Take responsibility. I'm not saying blame. We get those words mixed up. I'm saying be a first responder. When the fireman shows up to the burning house, he doesn't say, oh, this is my fault. Oh, poor woe is me. I'm going to wallow in self-pity and never do anything about this. No, it's, look, I don't care how this happened. It ends today. And I'm going to put this fire out. And God's called you to be Holy Spirit firefighters in people's lives. Look, look, okay, we'll figure out the why behind this mess later. But what's more important is what now? God knows what part is Satan's part, what part is your part, what part's your parents' part, what part is that person that abused you. He knows. He'll, he'll work all that out. But what now? How are you going to suffer well and maintain hope? How do you bring glory to God in suffering? How do you leverage it to make an impact? So I want to go through several ways you can maintain hope in suffering. And i got to go quick because I see my countdown clock. So that was my introduction. You guys ready? No. Um, It's good. We'll stay on time here. Relationship. One way you can maintain hope in suffering is relationship with God. Suffering reminds you that you need him. Suffering has a way of, it's like a smelling salt that wakes you up. C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone to arouse a deaf and dying world. It's as if we go about our life and we forget we need him and suffering has a way of reminding us, oh, it's not about me. Now, if, if you can't get outside of yourself, suffering, you'll start to make it all about you, and you'll wallow in self-pity and depression, and it'll be all. But if you can get outside of yourself and say, God, reach, I need you, you can actually have the hope of relationship. Look at Psalm 7.1. It was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. David, are you crazy? What? It was good to be afflicted that I might learn your ways, your decrees, your laws, your goodness. Sometimes the only way to see something is by way of contrast. You want to see the goodness of God and the grace of God? You go through a little bit of hell on earth. 
and you're going to really appreciate heaven when you get it. God doesn't want spoiled, rotten robots that just chose heaven because they had to, because there was no other option. No, he says, look, I'm going to let you guys, look, on earth, you'll experience glimpses of hell and glimpses of heaven, and you can make your choice. Which one do you want to bring more into this earth, and which one do you want to inherit forever? Another hope that we have in suffering is empowerment. Did you know that God actually promises in your weakness to give you power? Paul, when Paul finally figured this out, he was like, oh, I'm actually going to boast in my weakness, in my struggles, in my pains, in my trials, because that's when God shows up with power. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. My grace is sufficient for you. You guys know this scripture. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, I am strong. I didn't get this verse for many, many years. It's like, it's counterintuitive. When I'm weak, I'm strong. When finally God was starting to show it to me, it's not just, when he says weak, he's not just talking about being frail or being wimpy. He's saying in insults, hardship, persecution, calamity, through suffering, Suffering reminds me I'm human and I need God, and then when God shows up, it's awesome. The power of God rests on me when I'm in pain and trial, and some of you have experienced this. You've been through the hardest times, and I've I've heard this testimony so many times. Yeah, it was the most challenging thing of my life, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I tell you, God was closer to me in that time. I felt the power of God like I've never felt in any other time. So have hope in your suffering because there's empowerment for you. Let's look at another one, sanctification. And again, all these scriptures are going to be like, for many of you, they're going to be reminders. But I want to stir you up by way of reminder to encourage your soul today. And I wanted to collaborate them all in one place so you could actually say with confidence, no, I have hope in suffering. That you would know it's not just, okay, yeah, there's that one verse in James about count it all joy. And isn't there that one verse about like how God can use suffering and turn it for good? I wanted to put them all in one place, right? And I can send the slide deck to any of you that want it. That way you know, oh, no, there is ample reason to hope, not just a little reason, okay? And one is sanctification. Suffering produces character. There's so many verses about this, guys, but this is the one we landed on. James 1, 2 through 4, count it all joy when you meet various trials. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let it have its full effect. You'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. What a promise, Suffering brings sanctification. Guys, there's no greater hope than knowing you can be a different person. It's like, yes, the hope of heaven, um, incredible. Not minimizing that. The hope of relationship with God, incredible. We're talking about all these. The hope of nearness and his very presence, we're going to talk about that. But, oh my goodness, the hope that I don't have to be the same person, that I could look in the mirror years from now and respect myself more. That is hope. When people say, well, how do you know God's real? I have, the apologist in me wants to talk about the cosmological argument and the creation argument and the proofs of the resurrection and the 500 eyewitness testimonies. And I, I want to get into scripture and the inerrancy. But, you know, one thing I've learned to say when people say, well, how do you know he's real? I'll say, because he changed me. I mean, he took a dead heart and brought me back to life. So, I mean, there's a lot of other reasons I could give you, but sanctification, that you can become a new person is hope in suffering. Look at the next one, intercession. One reason you can have hope in suffering is you're not doing it alone. Someone stands in the gap when you don't even know what to pray. Look at what it says in Romans. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for us. Groaning's too deep for words. When you're going through it and it's so bad and you you can't even speak it's so bad, the Holy Spirit's there. He's on your team, and he's not just there comforting you, though he is, but he's also there interceding. He's praying on your behalf to God. I mean, that is incredible. He's, what is he asking God for? Your best, your blessing, your breakthrough, your comfort, your peace. Wow. You have an advocate. That's amazing. That's a hope to go through suffering. Here's another hope, leverage. God promises to work it out. And I know we use this as a band-aid for a bullet wound. People are going through suffering, and, 
And we, we try to say this, and, and you got to learn tact and timing, and you got to, don't be Job's friends that go in and try to give all this advice. Sometimes you just got to sit shiva with people, which is the Jewish way of just grieving, and you got to mourn with those who mourn, and not just give all the little pithy Bible verses and answers. At the same time, though, don't throw this idea out. And I've, I've seen Christians swing the pendulum. One is, well, I'm just going to slap a Bible verse on it, and you're going to be fine, and God works all things for good. And then there's the other side that says, oh, well, we can't even really mention that verse because that's, that's the Band-Aid verse. It's like, well, no, don't, don't stop mentioning it. It's just know the right time. And so I had to put this in here. One of the hopes is that God will leverage your situation for good. He doesn't always eliminate it or let you out of it, but he'll leverage it. He'll use it. I looked up the definition of the word leverage, and it, and it said to use for the maximum benefit or potential. Wow. God will take your suffering and use it for the maximum impact and potential. That is good news. Here's another reason to hope in suffering. Immortality. We have hope of everlasting life. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Your hope, you don't just have hope. You have a living hope. It's not just hope in mechanisms of how God works on paper with theology. It's a living hope. It's an organism. It's a family. It's a hope that's alive. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, listen to this, that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Look how he talks about suffering. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little while. It's going to be hard. But you're going to live forever with God with an imperishable inheritance. Guys, this should bring you hope. Bethany and I do this all the time. I'm like, when I get anxious, this crushes anxiety, knowing that you're immortal. What? What do you? Let me say it again. <laughs> knowing you're immortal crushes earthly anxiety because this is what you do. Well, if we don't, oh my gosh, babe, we have fifty dollars in the church bank account after doing the housing allowance. Oh my god. Okay, well then what? Well, then if we don't have money next month, then how are we going to pay our bills? Okay, then what? Well, then I'm not going to be able to live here. Okay, then what? Then we're going to get evicted, and then we're going to be on the streets. Okay, and then what? Well, and then we're not going to have food, and then we're going to starve. Okay, and then what? Well, then we're going to die, and then what? Oh, I get to live with Jesus forever. <laughs> like, at the end of all your anxieties is this thing called the fear of death. And for Christians, we don't have the fear of death. Well, if this person rejects me, okay, then well, then I'll be alone, okay, and then what? Well, then I'll die, and then what? I'll be with Jesus. Okay, now I know it's it's facetious and it's silly, and I want blessing on your life. I don't I don't want you to have to go through needless suffering, but when you do go through suffering, you're immortal. Here's another one: empathy. Let's see if I can land this plane here. Jesus understands. Jesus understands. We have a high priest who is able to empathize. That is a hope of all hopes. The God of the universe isn't just letting you go through this to teach you something and then one day getting you out of it, which is all true. He actually came and became a human being and knows exactly what you're going through. He felt what you feel, probably even more so. Nearness, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Guys, this is one of the hopes and suffering is that God can draw near to you. He draws near to the brokenhearted. Did you know that's a promise in Scripture? You're not walking through it alone. Not only do you have an intercessor, you got the very near presence of God in the valley of the shadow of death. He's right there with you. Comfort. Wow, Rob, these are a lot of hopes. Yeah, I'm trying to drive a nail home. Some of you are holding that nail in your hand. Jesus purchased everything for you on the cross to have hope through suffering. Not one hope, but multitudes of hope, a living hope. Comfort's one of them. Second Corinthians says that when we go through trials, God comforts us so that we, if you could put comfort up there, 
so that we can comfort those who are in any affliction. This is the last line there. Comfort with which we ourselves were comforted. And guys, sometimes we use this as a throwaway. We're like, oh, when you go through hard times, you'll be able to help others go through hard times. Thank you very much. And we just, you know, it's, it, it can be another one of those band-aids. But don't. Don't let it be. Don't take it lightly. This is huge. If you've ever been through suffering and then someone else has been through something similar, I mean, you can just make eye contact with them. And it's like, I know. And something happens in that moment. I mean, those who suffer together stay together. Those who suffer together, they love each other. They love well. Don't take this one for granted. It can bring so much hope in suffering. Last but not least, eternity. We've already talked about immortality, but, but I want you to not just know that you're going to live forever. I want you to know what the environment will be like when you live forever. God promises to wipe away all tears and end all suffering. It's not forever. That's one of the hopes. One of the best little sayings that Bethany and I say to each other when we're going through hard times, even when our kid's crying last night in the hotel, it's like, it won't always be this way. It, it, it just really helps. It's like, it won't always be this way. I, I tell it to my kids when they're anxious and frustrating, and this happened, and my little sister stole something from It won't always be this way, son. One day you and your sister will be grown adults, and this won't be it. What can you do right now to endure this? It won't always be this way. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. If you weren't paying attention, I actually formed all of these hopes into an acronym. Little pastor trick, because we love acronyms. God wants you to be resilient. You want to get through suffering? You need resilience. Relationship, empowerment, sanctification, intercession, leverage, immortality, empathy, nearness, comfort, eternity. These are the reasons why we have hope. Why, Christian, can you go through hard things and you seem to be handling it so much better than the world? I'm resilient. Why are you resilient? I have a relationship with God. He pours out power on me. I'm not the person I used to be. He's transforming my character. He talks to the Father on my behalf. Oh, he turns everything for good. By the way, I'm going to live forever. That's nice. And look, he knows what I'm going through, and he's right here next to me, and I get to comfort others. And you know he's going to end all this. Resilience. I want to define resilience real quick. The capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. Toughness. Guys, the American church needs more toughness. I'm just going to say it. I'm not talking about male bravado and although we probably could use a little bit of that. Um, I'm talking about a mental fortitude, a toughness. Look at definition two, the ability to, of a substance or object to spring back into shape. You get beat up, you get right back up. Guys, reach church. I just, I want to plead with you. I want to impart this to you because I, I think it's something we've actually walked through and, and that we've carried We've been through suffering, but we get back up, and you can too. And what you've gone through might be even way harder than what we've gone through, but someone here can understand. And even if no one does, Jesus empathizes. And I want to take a moment to show you how God has brought us some hope, and I want to play a song for you that Bethany and I wrote to bring us hope in one of our hardest seasons. Before I do, just a couple more slides. Look at what psychology today says about resilience. Resilience is the psychological quality of some people to overcome adversities in life. Rather than letting difficulties and traumatic events and failure overcome them and drain their resolve, highly resilient people find a way, say find a way, to change course, emotionally heal, and continue moving towards their goals. Resilience is the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to external and internal demands. Christians should be the best at this. It's not that we don't suffer, we suffer well. 
It's not that we don't have pain. It's that we have hope through the pain. God wants us to be a resilient people. When Bethany and I were in the middle of COVID, the churches are shut down. We're, you know, luckily our business was considered essential, our construction company, so we kept moving forward. But when it was, I, this is a suffering we can all relate to because we all went through it together. And you guys know, some of you lost loved ones. Some of you went through some really hard times. Some of you were really frustrated and angry at, at, at the government's response to it. Some of you were really missing people and community and human touch. I know I was. It's why I started a Bible study in my living room that became Spirit and Truth. But one thing Bethany and I did while the world was literally on fire with riots and destruction and burning and Antifa. I mean, it wasn't, guys, 2020 wasn't just COVID. You guys remember. I mean, how much happened that year? That was, it was, the world was on fire. Some places, literally. And we just kept worshiping. We just kept fasting. We just kept praying. We reached. God, come and bless our nation. God, we don't even know what to believe anymore. The news, it's 99.9% survival rate. This feels blown out of proportion. And yeah, I know people are dying. Like, help us, God. What do we do? He, he said, you cling to me. And that, a lot of these reasons for hope were developed in that time. And we actually wrote an album. You could put up that picture called Hope. I didn't even think about this till the drive down to yesterday. I thought, oh my goodness, hope through suffering. That would be a, a life message for us. We wrote a whole album called Hope. And this is a picture of us worshiping and we would record videos and we release them to our community to just try to get people engaging with God. And then we did a little worship night. That's Old Town Fort Collins in the summer of 2020. And God said, I see that and I'll raise you a thousand. I'll match your devotion, Rob. That, that, that little small, go back a slide. Go back a slide. So it's, this is 30, 40 people in Old Town Fort Collins, and that, that was my dream in COVID. If I could just get a small group of people that weren't afraid, if they need to social distance, that's fine, but I just, can we just worship Jesus? Can we just look to Jesus? Can we just, we need to keep preaching the gospel. We can't be silent. Nowhere in the scripture does it say go and make disciples unless there's a pandemic. Like, we need to keep, and this is all, this is, this is, this was the dream of my heart, and God did it, and the hashtag, let us worship, I get connected with Sean Foyt, who I traveled with 10 years ago, doing worship, playing drums, 15 years ago. And we get connected. He says, well, why don't I come out to Fort Collins? I'm like, are you serious? That'd be incredible. And that's the next slide. When we saw, like Derek said, we saw 3,000, some say four or 5,000, it's hard to know. Um, that's City Park, Fort Collins, Colorado. And Sean says, you know what, Rob? I'm going to let you preach the gospel. I said, no, no, I just, I just wanted to have hope. He's like, I know, and now you get to deliver it to 3,000 people. Here you go. Because hope is contagious, and I'm telling you, when you guys start walking in hope through suffering, others will too, and God will give you a platform because God is looking for resilient Christians, and if you practice resilience, he'll say, oh, that's someone I can use. You got a calling on your life for ministry? Start being resilient. Start getting some spiritual mental toughness and, and persevering through suffering and take your time to grieve and take your time to mourn and pour out your heart to God and let all the tears come and write the impeccatory psalms and get feisty with God if you need to. But at the end of the day, persevere because you have hope through suffering. That's my son getting water baptized. At the time, you know, eight years old, now he's 10. And you can see the joy on my face there. As, a, as I mean, what greater joy does a father have than to know their children are walking in the truth? So, Bethany, would you come up? We want to play this song from our album, Hope. And this song is called Living Sacrifice. It's going to be a special, it's, it's an original song. You won't have the lyrics up, but what you can do is listen. Just sit and reflect. Let, the, let them just wash over you. And hopefully you're just touched and encouraged. Music has a way of speaking that sometimes uh, messages and sermons do not. And I hope you just really get God's heart because this was our anthem, our cry in the middle of a lot of pain and a lot of loss and a lot of turmoil in our world. And I hope it inspires you. Um, and just listen 
And in the song, I'm going to give you some further instruction on how you can minister to one another to wrap up our time. But just listen at the beginning here, and we'll play this song for you. There we go. This is called Living Sacrifice. There you go. It's not the way I thought my life would go. It's not the path I would have chosen, no. But I still love you. I still trust you, God. I still love you. I still trust you, God. Because my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. My life is not my own. I'm hidden with Christ. My life is not my own. I surrender my rights. My life is not my own. I'm a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. flesh is burned away all glory to your name through the trial in the pain your son is revealed glory to your name glory to your name glory to your name the name of Jesus be like Jesus but what does that mean he's the man of sorrows acquainted with suffering I want to be like Jesus who was crucified guess I better learn how to pick up my cross and learn how to die Through the flame, my flesh is burned away. A glory to your name. And in the trial, in the pain, your Son is revealed. A glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Jesus. So we're going to take a moment. And we're going to keep singing. And we just want you guys to get in groups, two or three, maybe four, and pray for one another. If you know someone in the church that's going through a hard time and some suffering, go lay hands on them. Go encourage them. If that's you, maybe open up with the people around you and tell them you're going through a hard time. But let's just minister to one another for a couple more minutes and we'll close out our time together. A living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Cause my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. My life is not my own. I'm hidden with Christ. 
my life is not my own. Surrender my rights, my life is not my own. I'm a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. time father we pray that reach church would be a church that has hope through suffering in Jesus name hallelujah wasn't that a good message if you're still praying that's okay you can give him a, a hand clap for that message and thankful <laughs> thankful to the Lord we're speaking through Rob, um, very timely. Uh, what I would say is uh, we need to pray for one another more often. We need to know, you know, when one part of the body hurts, right, the other part, part of the body hurts. Uh, a couple weeks ago I talked about if in construction when I grew up I'd hit my thumb once in a while with the hammer. And I didn't take the hammer and start beating on the thumb, you know, over and over. What I did is I tried to comfort my thumb. And we need to be there for one another that way. Love one another and be there to, uh, to minister to one another. Amen? Amen. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say something and, and Rob, I hope it embarrasses you. <laughs> we have uh, a good relationship and uh, we can speak those things. Um, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And so Rob didn't come asking and I always love that. It's like I don't have any expectation. And I love when people don't have expectation because then they can let God do something. But even as Rob, you know, spoke about the church and they're walking in faith, uh, when Pastor Warren starts off next week's message uh, with go, um, what we want to do is we want to just ask that you would pray this week. If God lays something on your heart to seed into Spirit and Truth Church, it is a church plant. Is it two years old now? Two years old. Um, I can tell you right now, uh, that's one of the, the hardest you know, things, especially they don't have their own building. You know, God's blessed us. Our building's paid off and, 
It's uh, quite a blessing. But if God lays on your heart next week, that will be our offering towards church planning um, to, to seed into Spirit and Truth Church if you'd pray about that. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Uh, let me bless you as you go. Father, I thank you for your people. Lord, I pray that we'd find those opportunities to uh, reach out to one another, Lord, to uh, pray over one another's needs, that we might witness your spirit perform miracles, Lord God, in our families, uh, in, our, uh, in our work, in our finance, Lord God, in our health, all those things. Jesus, you said you came to give us life and life more abundant. And Lord, may we always have a heart not to seek what we can get from you, but to seek you, knowing, God, you want to bless us. So we don't have to fret over that. But Lord, I bless your people as they go today in their marriages, in their families, in their friendships. Lord, in all that they put their hand to, would you make them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I pray that they truly would be the envy of those that are lost, that they might come and inquire as to your blessing that resides over your people. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. See